Hello? Yeah, I got you. All right, it actually worked this time. I was having trouble with it. It's always that third person that we'll see if Chase doesn't fuck it up. I'll take the under. What's up? New podcast studio. That's right, buddy. Cracking it. What's going on with you guys? Nothing. Busy season for me, so I'm just working nonstop and getting fucked up on the weekend. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Exactly. It's fucking stupid. Uh, but she finds a way for Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I'm bummed, but there's just too much going on right now. It's all good. Who's playing? Buddy, Jimmy's buddy, Russ, which he and I have become buddies, too. Uh, Stokely knows him from Mad Tree. Jimmy goes to Hilton Head with him and his family every year, every summer, once, twice a year. Uh, I think he's a decent golfer. Who else is so, playing? Jimmy, you? Stokely. Oh, nice. Right. So, championship, obviously. Hey, yeah, I'll be. I don't know what could go wrong. No. Good. She's starting to show a little personality. And what? Four months? Three months? Uh, three and a couple weeks. Yeah, three and a half. And he's nothing but fucking attitude and personality. Good times. Yeah, he's at a fun age. He's at a fun age. He's at a he's at a Casey with the Bengals age. Fun, miserable, fun, miserable. What? Let me tell you, buddy, that doesn't change. <laughs> Mostly fun, but the miserable times are pretty annoying. They want what they want. Yeah. That is true. That is true. With the quickness. Yeah. Are you going to figure out tonight the games next week? Um, I'm going Friday, but I'm not using my ticket. It's Jimmy's birthday. So um, we actually got Kim's tickets. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, if you need one for Montana, I mean, Don't sleep on might the be the first first loss of the Sean Miller 2.0 era. Don't just don't sleep on the Grizzlies. That's what I'm saying. I think they could be 
a very tough. I don't. I haven't done any research. I should ask Phil. But you guys uh, hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Phil. Phil's already. He's he's on what Morgan State tape now. Day two. Yeah. He's fucking crushing tape. Is that who they play Monday? I couldn't even tell you. The only reason I know is Munch told me. I think that's who they play. Yeah. Phil's on Bearcat tape. Let's be honest. Like, he's into December for his scouting reports. <laughs> all right. So, are we just spending all of tonight talking about the return of Musketeer football? Is that what we're. I mean, I feel like it, it's really the top story in Cincinnati. That is going to be something. I can't wait till – this is actually going to be good for the grouper because you're not going to be an Ohio State fan anymore. Phil's not going to be an Ohio State fan. You guys all – Are you going to not be a Michigan fan anymore? Uh, I didn't say that. I, but I didn't go there. You guys, you know – Chase, you're going to have a real decision to make. I mean, I'll go when they play Butler and Dayton in the Pioneer League game. You bet your ass I'll be there. I got tickets for the home and home against Bama. <laughs> going to Tus- ticket. Going to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> but I do think having like a nice, I would imagine they'll do like what, 8,000 seat stadium? Uh, probably be similar to St. X, don't you think? I don't know, but I'm just thinking for like playoff game, like high school playoff games and things like that. Middle of the city, you could have. Uh, that would be cool. I agree. Didn't think of that. Plus, Moeller needs a place to play too. So, yeah, Moeller, I could see using it. They play at Norwood. The game tomorrow is at Norwood. That's where Moeller's home field is. No, well, I don't know if that's where their home field is, but it's that's neutral they... site. It's not at Moeller anymore. But it's they're the home team, but it's neutral site. And Norwood? So Norwood yeah, no, is where they play all their that's home That's where games. they play their home games. Uh, well, I saw one of the other games, like uh, the Elder game's not at the pit. Huh. Which Where's... maybe Ohio High School Athletics said, well, it's not really a home game. But who's Moeller? Or who's Elder play? Um, Milford. Maybe we should just let's just break down the Ohio high school playoffs. That'd be more exciting is, than talking to Bengals. Who does X play? Moeller. <laughs> oh, they do. <laughs> yeah, shows, shows you how uh, in tune I am. And we're there. <laughs> the only reason I know is Munch has been, me and Munch have been going back and forth on it this whole week. I don't think – I mean, that game up. was closer than the, – the first game was closer than many of X's blowout losses, but yeah. Moeller's supposed to be good. Moeller's sure very... How far down th- – this is ridiculous. I turn on the Spectrum app down here, and I click down to see what's on live TV. The first, obviously, is Spectrum News 1. Next is high school football on ESPN. Third is Coastal Carolina App State on – it's a good chance. I, I guess ESPN. And I have to scroll off the page four times to find World Series game. Yeah. Fox. How, speaking of, 
do you who do you use socks who's your cable with alta cincinnati yours? where do you watch the Bengals games upstairs yes is yours delayed no I, no no i watch them in our with the where we have our box so no it's so we we have this we don't have a box anymore we have these google i don't know they're little circle things google play or something like that they didn't install a box at our house we're like 20 seconds delayed on every live sporting event which is very annoying usually with the group chat i am one of the first no i'm i have to turn the group chat on silent during (laughs) Bengals games i can't look at it so because of the delay, or well, multiple reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly the delay because there'll be two plays ahead sometimes. I feel like mostly is not very accurate. I'd say maybe it's 50 <laughs> 50. <laughs> yeah, well, you just see a text that says, Fuck! Yeah. Uh, well, that's that could be a 22 yard pass that should have gone for a touchdown. <laughs> they suck. We'll get into that. Yep. So, All right. who are you guys? I know we're not going to talk about this. Who are you cheering for in the World Series? Um, I don't care. I'm, I'm for Houston. I want to see Dusty Baker get a title. I'm with Houston. I'd like to see Verlander keep pitching well tonight. Um, Houston's fucking. Like Correa leaves and this Jeremy Pena kid, shortstops a stud. They're just a they're a machine. Uh, they really are. And that pitcher that pitched the six innings and the hitters a rookie. Like, yeah, I probably would rather see Houston win too. Although I'm kind of torn on Dusty Baker. Like, I just I don't know. I'm with like... you on that, Brian. <laughs> I don't really – I just think – I don't really have any, like, a big emotional feelings for him. I just think it would be cool if he won a title. Yeah. I mean, he's I been agree. He's, he's done been it. close a lot. Yeah, and he's done everything else in baseball. But I just – I don't know. The Just the way that – I feel like he kind of screwed up the Reds by, you know, katoing to what the players wanted as opposed to what I think most people thought was going to be best for the team. I agree with that. And I feel like Cincinnati media, just because they're A, Cincinnati media, but B, because he's a nice guy. He and Apparently, he's the nicest guy. It's like fucking Travis Steele. Mm-hmm. Like, Rick wouldn't say anything bad about Travis Steele. He's not going to get fired, blah, blah, blah. But he's fired. No one really said anything. Like, you know, he just didn't get it done. You have to, like, go to a message board for somebody to be honest, to be like, he just didn't fucking. Mm-hmm. And then you read shit or. You know, Mario tells BJ or whoever that the team was just – they were all buddies and that kind of yeah. shit. Like, that's what I feel like it was with Dusty. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I because – I mean, they you had like some bad Phillies? luck that year, but – No. No, I don't like the Phillies either. But I like Castellanos. I like Castellanos. But I don't really want Bryce Harper to win one. I don't like Harper or Schwarber. 
Yeah, see, I don't have a problem with Schwarber now that he's not on the Cubs. And he's from Middletown. Middletown. Um, who (laughs) – I was thinking about this the other day. The last time we podcast – this is a completely different subject. The last time we podcasted, we picked players from each of our favorite teams to have – like, who are we most excited to watch? You guys remember that? No. No. I mean, I remember that as a topic. I don't remember the specific choices. But Yeah. Well, I, I remember two out of my three. I, I remember the Ohio State and the Bengals. Um, okay. Well, but what was the question again? It was like, I don't know how he phrased it, but of your favorite team. So, you had UC football. Bengals and Xavier, Sox had Michigan, Xavier, Bengals. I had Ohio State, Bengals, and Xavier. And I remember mine were Jackson Smith and Jigba for Ohio State, who hasn't played, and Evan McPherson was my pick, and he is in a sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly couldn't tell you who I, who I picked. Probably Ben Bryant. Beyond that, I don't know. August 25th. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Ben no. Only two well, months. that's We like, if if there was people that listened to our podcast, there could be like a sports intoxication jinx. That's true. I believe I picked... Uh, Colby Jones. I think we all picked Colby Jones. So let's hope not. Yeah, I agree. That'd be bad. How was the game last night, Brian? Oh boy. It was uh Did you watch it? Um I actually did, but I think the first the first half probably didn't go more than two seconds of silence before there was another question. (laughs) So, and it was like pretty much the question that I kept getting was a couple questions. Who has the ball? Which team has the ball? And it's like, well, guys, look at the court. There's a white team and a purple team. The white team is Xavier. Who has the ball? (laughs) And then I would get asked who's winning and – what the score was. So I pointed, out the I, I pointed out the scoreboard. I mean, the not ball that they really tough, could but... read it yet. Yeah. Um, but then they, they were confused by the concept of a foul. They were like, what's a foul? So finally, I was trying to explain it. And then I was finally, I was just like, well, it's like, you know how in football there's penalties. It's a penalty. And they're like, oh, it's a penalty. So, I thought you showed them physically what a foul was. <laughs> no. Uh, so, but it was good. I I mean, I was looking at the schedule. I'm gone this week, so I won't be at either of the games. And then Amy's gone the following week, so I won't be at the Fairfield game. So I think my first game will be Indiana. And then... The I'm trying to think. Then they go out to the Phil Knight thing. Then they come back for West Virginia. 
I'll be at that one. Then they play UC, and then their next game is on the 13th against Southern, and I'm going to be out of town that one. So, like, I'm I'm only going to be in the non-conference at Indiana and West Virginia, I think, which if I can only make two games, those are the two games you want to make. Yeah. But – Six thirty on. I will say West Virginia. Holy cow! The student section was like I was shocked. We walked in, and uh, I mean they were screaming their heads off, and there wasn't an empty seat. It was kind of crazy. Bryce Harper double. Yep. Was it game one of the World Series where Verlander got roughed up? Yeah. He could have held him to a single there. Yeah, that's a... It's also... Have the Phillies been wearing these old school jerseys all season or postseason or I don't really like them. Oh, I do. Um, I don't know the answer to that. This is the first game I've watched, I think. Yeah, I usually watch the baseball playoffs a decent amount, but this year I have not. If it was like the Mets... I would watch. I, the Phillies just do nothing for me. Yeah, I just... Near to the Astros. The right. thing... Yeah, the Astros have at least, like... Uh, there's two things about the Astros that maybe are interesting to me, or a couple things. One, they've been good for a while, and now Dusty's their manager. Two... A bunch of people that I work with are Astro fans because they live down there. And three, like Sox said, it's like they've got a couple guys, I guess, that they signed as free agents, like Verlander. But for the most part, it feels like the majority of their guys are like homegrown talents that have just been studs. Whereas the Phillies have signed Real Muto, Harper, Castellanos, Gene Segura, like all of their guys are just free agents that they've just spent money on. Yeah. Schwarber. Schwarber. Yeah. Eagles and Texans in a battle. That game back. Oh, yeah. I guess that should be back on by now. See, annoying thing about having it be on Amazon, though, I have to switch apps to get to it instead of just flipping back on Spectrum. Yeah, I agree. All right. Should we get this started? Yeah, so what are we, what are we uh, chatting on tonight? I feel like we should start off with Xavier, and then we'll... Talk about the the Bengals. We could we'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll mix in a little college football. Yeah, that topic won't be as fun for me this year. <laughs> you fun for you guys though. <laughs> 
That game is going to be wild. Although Michigan's got one test left. The Illini. Yeah. Does Ohio State have anybody difficult left? No, they're at Northwestern. They play at Maryland, which that could be. That could be. Interesting. Mm. And Indiana, I think. Okay. Yeah, they're so at, it should be three easy wins. At Northwestern, home versus Indiana, at Maryland, Michigan. And who does Michigan have left? Rutgers, Illinois. Nebraska. No, oh, yeah, Nebraska too. Is Illinois at home or on the road? Home. Senior day. Okay. okay. But Saturday night, they go to Rutgers. And you know what they say. You do just walk in. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> that didn't used to be the case when uh, Big East football was still a thing. And Greg Shion. Well, I guess Greg Shion is back. He, he's he's back. <laughs> They're twenty six point favorites, and the over under in the game is forty two. So, <laughs> wow. Rutgers is four and four though. Not great wins, though. Not great wins. All right. All right. We'll go. Welcome back to Sports Intoxication, the podcast that you've waited two months for this episode, Uh, roughly. Yeah, right around there. we are back to talk a few things because it's been a little bit. I'm your host, Sox, joined by Matt Bessler. What's up? Brian Chase. Hello, hello. And uh, I'm sure you've missed us, but uh, we're here to talk. We're, we're Eve, basically, you know, Monday night um, will be the first college basketball game for the team we discuss the most when it comes to college basketball, the Xavier Musketeers. They just had an exhibition game last night at Kentucky Westland. Uh, we, had, we had a man on the scene, and <laughs> he was very into the game. No distractions. Uh, none. And so, yeah, none. Uh, and so I guess we'll just kind of talk about, you know, we can talk about expectations – Obviously, there's plenty of excitement for the return of Sean Miller. You could do a Lord of the Rings tie-in, maybe the return of the king. Hopefully, uh, how this works out. But uh, I know some of our listeners will like that reference. But uh, let's let's talk about musketeer hoops. Um, well, before we do that, what's everybody drinking tonight? Uh, I've got. High West. Oh. Which which High West? I have... Uh, I don't think that's ever been said on these airways before. Bourbon. It says a blend of straight bourbon whiskeys. It's got a nice little oh. ram on the front of it. It's... Uh, so, I had never seen this before. And then we went to Hawking Hills in end of September. And the people that we went with 
brought this and I really liked it. And then uh, Amy and I were out one night and we were like, hey, we need to go buy some liquor. And we went to Cappy's in Loveland and they had this and I was like, oh, I liked this. So I'm going to buy it. So I did. Salt Lake City, Utah, I believe. Yeah. Yes, you you are correct, sir. They have some actually some good, uh, a couple good allocated things. Their rise, uh, their uh, midnight winter's dram is a release they do. That's very very allocated, really sought after, and very good. And then they do Yippie Kaye, which is another rye blend, and then Boo Rye, um, which. I'm not a big Boo Rye fan, but they kind of do some fun stuff. They they do some barrel aging. They do some blending. Uh, they have like a campfire one. Yeah, That's yeah, not bad. Yeah. Which is I was like I going to say they when I had when I got this one they had a rye there, but I didn't pay attention to what which one it was. Um, but I had the just the straight blend of bourbons, so I got that, and it's it's good. The campfire one's kind of like a half. Uh, I think it, I don't know if it's if it's I don't know if it's rye or, but they mix it with kind of a Scotch style thing, like where you get that smokiness from scotches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I've had it once. I, it's been a long time. I should revisit something like that just to see. Uh, Matt, what you drinking? Uh, I just have some bullet. Nothing, nothing too exciting. So bullet bourbon. Uh, I'm drinking Elijah Craig rye. Mm. Good old standby. Never go wrong with Elijah Craig. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, now that we have that out of the way, um, let's talk basketball. Chase, you were there last night, the man on the scene. Um, I think you were able to get in a little bit of time with Sean Miller after the game, have a quick conversation. Well, Uh, actually, before the game, once he walked out past the student section, there really wasn't anybody there other than me and my two kids. So (laughs) we had free reign. But your thoughts on, I mean, not necessarily what you saw last night, but uh, but probably part of that. And then uh, what do you think about the season? Um, so, I mean, obviously their, their defense is going to be a work in progress, right? Probably won't be great this year just because of some of the personnel that they have. But, um, I will say that the thing, there are a couple of things that were just really refreshing during the game and after the game. Uh, one is during the game, if somebody made a really dumb play or they, missed like blatantly missed an assignment on defense where it was like people in the stands could tell or they got I think there was one time um like Cam Craft made just like a horrible pass horrible decision it was like there was nothing there Miller just yanked him out of the game right away and it was like all right sit down you're not doing this when you're on the floor for me um which I think is something different than what we saw with Steele although Steele Steel was different in that he let some guys have a really long leash and other guys have no leash. And I think Miller was pretty consistent. Um, the other thing was just at in the, the press conference, when he was asked questions, he actually gave answers. It wasn't just coach speak. So, um, and I, I'd say two other quick things I'm excited about. One, I do think Kiki Tandy can be a contributor. So, the fact that he was getting a chance to play last night, I think is, is good. Hopefully that he'll be able to carve out a role. And I do think Des Claude 
is the real deal. He had a play early in the second half where he caught the ball up on the elbow, basically, above the three-point line, took two dribbles, and it was Edmund Sumner-esque dunking over uh, Octavio Ellis in the crosstown shootout. Like, he just threw down on, on this guy on Kentucky Wesleyan. I felt bad for the guy, but Claude looks like the real deal. I like to hear that. Speaking of the return of the king, maybe that's in reference to Kiki Tandy. We'll see. Yeah, could be. Stay tuned. Um, good, good thoughts. I think one of the things that was widely discussed on our group chat for those that watched the press conference was the different tone of the press conference. Like you mentioned, just like the standard. Oh, that you got to give those guys credit too. Matt's favorite thing to say. They have scholarship players as well. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure that Kentucky Wesleyan does, though. So, fair. They have players as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think uh, I watched the press conference. I didn't see the player part, um, but I saw Sean's comments, and um, there seemed to be a lot of self taking the blame um, for certain things on his part, and just talking about how they need to get better and they need to improve and they're, they're going to be in work in progress, but it had a different tone. Matt thoughts. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the only thing I can speak to last night as I was not one of the, the privileged few to get that insider access at the game, but. Um, well, you, you had the option. You just chose not to. Yes. No, that's very true. I did choose not to go. Um <laughs> For good reason, pre- it sounds like. Yeah, the the press conference thing is my biggest kind of takeaway. I mean, it was interesting to just listen to Sean um, talk. It brought back, um, you know, a lot of memories of when he coached here previously and just listening to the type of press conferences that they had. And, um, you know, that's great. Um, I think the more I've kind of gotten – as we've getting closer to the season here, the one thing that I'm shockingly most um, interested in is what he can get out of probably my least favorite Xavier player of the last 15 years. Um, I'm really (laughs) interested, really interested to watch what Miller can get out of Zach Fremantle this year. Um, I think a change in coaching can only benefit Fremantle and for the team to reach their potential. I do think that they need a guy like Zach to play to his potential, which I don't think he has done, at least from what we've been told over the course of the last three years. So for someone who um, is not a fan of his, I, I, I mean, as a Xavier fan, I want him to be the best version of himself, which I don't think we've gotten um, other than maybe some glimpses during his freshman year. And if he can be a a player that he was last night, and again, they're playing Kentucky Wesleyan, but he had a double-double in the first half. Um, That's not going to happen every night, but for someone to be aggressive and, and just get the most out of his talent, because I can't deny that he has a lot of talent. It's just really 
the effort piece, and I don't think Miller's going to let that slide. So I'm really interested to watch that develop over the course of the next couple months. It is really interesting to watch him play because on the one hand, you look up and he goes through stretches where he grabs literally every single rebound for like five straight possessions. But then he has possessions where he just gets – at least in the past, he would just get bullied or it was like he was disinterested. And so, yeah, I I agree. I I mean, he led the – I know Matt likes to say – it was a misleading stat, which I agree with him. But he did lead the Big East in rebounding when he was a sophomore. And I don't think there's any reason he couldn't do it this year. I would think that should be his goal. Yeah. No, I agree. And, I, I mean, I've harped on it for however many years we've been doing this now. But, like, that is what the team has missed over the course of the last four years during the Travis Steele era. And they they need someone to be that guy who's going to get the rebound. And I, I'm not convinced that he's going to ever be a Tyreek Jones rebounder by any means. But, you know, just be get down there and be physical and not just stand outside the three-point line all freaking game and be able to man up and play some defense. And, and I think that Miller's going to get the best out of him from that regard. At least I hope so. So that, that's one thing. The one thing I'm really probably most interested in to watch here over the next six weeks of the start of the season is just his development and the way Zach has played, because I sure hope it's a heck of a lot different than what we saw last year and the year before. To quote John Miller, the best player on the floor last night. Yeah. Which, you know how we all feel strongly about Jack Nungy being a great player. Um, so and that's good, but I, I want to see that. And again, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I want to see that against UC and against West Virginia, against UConn. Like, not maybe the best, but the most physical. Just get in there and be a freaking basketball player down low. And no, I agree. Just have not seen. And, and I, I think don't that... think I don't think Miller is going to let him not do that, or he's not going to play because that's what that's what they're going to need from him. I agree, and I think that the interesting part about him, and yes, his stat line was good and all that, but I'm saying the interesting thing that was about him being the best player on the floor last night was that Jack Nungy had a very similar position for, well, Jack Nungy's a five, Fremantle's going to play four and five, but to hear that is at least an encouraging sign. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the the other thing that I think stood out was, yeah, uh, Fremantle's stat line was better and Fremantle did dominate the first half but when Fremantle was dominating the game Xavier wasn't dominating the game when Colby Jones was dominating the game Xavier was dominating the game his his energy in the second half and it really his defense I mean he had I think Miller said he had five steals but I remember my brother was there and we were looking at each other at one point you know maybe six minutes left in the second half, and it was like, Colby's got to have, like, four steals this half already. And it was like he was basically just forcing his way in and grabbing the ball. Uh, And then he also had some nice baskets, some nice dump-offs for easy baskets to Fremantle and Nunji. So, I don't know. Colby was just as good, I think. 
Well, I think that's a really interesting point, and I think that's a. I was worried this topic was going to fizzle, but I think the conversation of Colby Jones leading to back to that press conference again, spending a lot of time on press conferences this early, but Sean Miller saying Colby Jones may not be the player that dominates, that takes over the game from an offensive standpoint. But what his point was, which is I think, I think as Xavier fans for a couple of years, everybody's just wanted to see Colby take over the game offensively, develop his outside shot, take over handling the ball and distributing the ball. But Sean's point of saying he can affect the game defensively by getting steals, defensively by getting rebounds, and offensively, if it's not scoring points, it's making passes and doing all that. And then at the end of the game, he could have 10 and 8 and 5 steals and 5 assists. Like, that's a that's a stat I mean. I, I know I know none of us are LeBron James fans, but last night he he would have had a LeBron line if he could make a free throw. I think he was one of six from the line, but he finished with I think fourteen points, seven rebounds, six assists, and five steals. To be fair, one of six from the line could be a LeBron line sometimes. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. Uh as my LeBron hate shows. But um yeah, no, I think that that's a really interesting development. And then the other thing that I think, I mean, when you look at this team and you talk about Jack and Zach, as we just did, and then you talk about Colby on the wing, the depth behind those three guys is going to be really important. And then I would also say um, this whole – you touched, touched on it briefly, Brian, but this whole Des Claude, Sule, Boom – Cam Craft, Adam Kunkel, backcourt, Kiki Tandy, how that all shakes out with minutes at the one, two, and the three is going to be really important. Kunkel was a little banged up, didn't play last night, but um, there's certainly going to be some some stuff that shakes out there. Because they I got thought it was find- interesting. Miller talked about uh, Sule Boom being more of a combo guard and trying to get his feet under him as a point guard. Like, okay, I I truly would be shocked based on what I saw from Claude last night. I, I think Miller is going to give Claude every opportunity to be the point guard that's playing 25 to 30 minutes on this team. And I think he's talented enough to do it. That's been probably, if you're a Xavier fan and you've followed this team preseason-wise, definitely the most – shocking or uplifting development has been the, all the the Desmond Claude hype train of this kid's got a big East body already and he's got a great feel for the position. And, you know, the little note on Broering's page about uh, an NBA scout saying that he probably has the, that the NBA scout was at a practice to see Colby, but also noted that Des was probably the, the most intriguing NBA player because of his size for the position. So something to be excited about. Would have loved yeah. to have seen Cam Craft splash a little bit last night, but it's early. Yeah. Any more thoughts about uh, Xavier? Um, yeah. I, mean, I think just broadly speaking, 
they were picked what second in the Big East. See, to me, I think that's too high, but broadly speaking, for me, the goal for this year, there's only one goal, right, to me, and that's to get back to the NCAA tournament. Anything else is completely fine uh, and great, right? If they come in second, awesome. If they come in first, great. If they come in sixth and make it to the NCAA tournament, I don't care. Um a successful season is, is getting this program back on the right track and, and getting back to what we've been accustomed to over the cat over the last 30 years of our fandom, uh, you know, dating back to when we were young kids or whatever, like this team, it's unacceptable that they've gone four years without making the tournament and that they brought in the right guy to do that, to get them back there and to eventually, hopefully, you know, knock down that door that they haven't knocked down before, but like the team doesn't have the talent, all the talent in the world. Um, but I do think they have enough talent to get back to the NCAA tournament. If they do that, I would call this a massive success of a first year for Sean back on the job and just lays the groundwork for recruiting and, and everything going forward to get them back to being a top three program in the big East for the next eight years or however long he's going to be here. So, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I agree hundred percent that second is too high in the preseason polls. I don't know if that's just people deferring to Sean Miller or if the rest of the big East just had that yeah. big of a talent exodus. I really have no idea, but I agree. Get back to the tournament is the goal. Anything above that is gravy. But if you don't do that, I'd say it's kind of a failure because I do think there, I'm not saying the pieces necessarily all fit well together, but Sean Miller is obviously a very good coach and there's enough talented individuals on this team that there's got to be some way to piece this together to get to the tournament. I mean, Steele, quite frankly, had him in position to get the tournament going into February the last three years, and then they just completely peed down their leg. Which March, I don't think right? will happen under Miller. You win one more game the last four years. Yeah. Probably in the tournament two of those years. So yeah. Um, Which yeah, I mean, I, I'm very excited. I, I mean, I expect some bumps early on, just given the schedule. I mean, I would expect Indiana come in here quite honestly and, and probably punk them a little bit, just based on. I hope I'm wrong on that, but. I think Indiana's really, yeah. really good. Um, I'm not sure that Xavier has the, the horses to hold up there. I'm sure it'll be close, but, um, you know, after that, they go to that, whatever that tournament is in Oregon they're playing in and they have to play Florida. That's a winnable game, but Gonzaga, Duke, the other teams in there. So I, I wouldn't yeah. expect this team to be 10 and 2 like they have been the last four years. No. But it would be great if they could win that Florida game. And then yeah, these your two losses are going to be – they're not going to hurt you. And maybe you pull an upset. Absolutely. And I I don't want to say that they can't beat Indiana. I would be shocked if they did. Um, yeah. But, like, I will say that game is one of the one – the most exciting games that I've – or one of the games that I've mo- been most excited to attend in the last number of years that Xavier say I, I think that is going to be – an insane atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I mean, I the Ohio Monday, State I game. Night. 
was pretty cool. The what? Ohio State game last year was pretty cool. Yeah. I think Monday night will be really cool, too, for, you know, for whatever, how sappy it is. It doesn't really matter. But I think Monday for Miller coming back for his first regular season game is going to be a, a really cool environment. So I'm excited for it. It'll be a good year. I think they have a chance to surprise people, but um, you know we'll see. It'll, I think the yeah. Big East is going to be a little bit down. Um, there's a chance, right? I mean, Creighton was picked to win, and uh, I'm sorry, I just don't think. I mean, I think they're good, but are they a preseason top ten team? I mean, uh, the Big East is really interesting, right? I mean, with all the coaching turnover. Obviously, Villanova is going to be good, but I can't imagine. There has to be some sort of drop-off there. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't imagine. that. And maybe Neptune's going to be that good, but they're just the window is there right now for X to really lay the groundwork this year and, and Miller to get the guys in here that he wants and for this program to really take off again. Yeah, and that's uh, very much what's needed. They've already got, you know, if, if there were any other coaching hire other than Sean Miller, I think there would be a concerted effort to re- re-energize and re-establish a little bit a very, very loyal fan base. But with Miller coming in, you don't even have to – I mean, it's already there. You know what they have? 8,600 season ticket holders and the place holds 10,200 people. So that's insane. Yeah. So I'm completely changing topics here, but this somehow just crossed my mind. I don't know how I didn't realize this before. They were talking about on the football uh, game about how Philly has got this game, they've got the World Series game, and they've got the soccer team is in the MLS championship, which I don't know if that's I guess that's not tonight, but it's this week. But then I was like, well wait a minute. It's Philly, Houston in the NFL and in the World Series tonight. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think Houston the city is probably a little more focused on baseball. Than the Texans. I would I would agree with that. Although the Eagles are having a great year, so maybe uh but yeah, um, and any more thoughts, dissection? So, one, just one question, two questions, yes or no. Do they make the tournament, and do they win a game in the tournament? I'll go first with that. I'll say yes, they do make the tournament, and I'll be a homer and say they're wearing white, and they win a game. Okay. Matt? Uh, I, yeah, I would probably lean the same way. I'm thinking seven, six, seven, eight seeds, something like that. Win a game. Yeah. I. Uh, uh, they'll probably get a, what, a seven seed, and I'm sure the attorney committee will give them Arizona in round two or something like that. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you're but, probably right. Again, just making it back there would be... Yeah, agree. But making it back and winning a game, now you're talking. Yeah, for sure. 
So, um, another topic that we probably must discuss, as it's a, a popular topic on this particular podcast, would be uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, which have uh, crawled out to a slower start. Good thing we didn't do the annual pick um, game by game, because I probably would have had them 9-1, and one, maybe 10-0. and 0. Um, they had a very soft front of the schedule, which got even softer as the events unfolded with backup quarterbacks all over the roster, all over the schedule. And after just getting dismantled on Monday night by the Cleveland Browns, which clearly just, I mean, is a matchup problem, which is not something you really say that often in the NFL. Um, the, the Bengals are four and four. They, uh, they play the Carolina Panthers this weekend, and then they have the Steelers, and then the bye. No bye after this week. Bye, and then Steelers. Okay. Uh, okay. So you, you could be five and four at the bye. You could be four and five at the bye. You have the Steelers, which is a winnable game, um, but obviously it didn't work out great in Week One. So it, you can just kind of freelance here um, as far as thoughts on the Bengals this year. But also basically what I would like to know is what you, if you guys think that there's a run in this team and you don't have to say definitively if they're going to make a run, but do you think there's even one in there if certain things click? Um, So we started with Brian last time. So Matt, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I do think, to answer your second question first, I, I, I think there is a run in this team. Now, that being said, that run has to start on Sunday. Um, I'm not, what I was going to start with here is I'm not overly panicked yet. I mean, concerned, yes, there's issues for sure. Um, but you got to beat Carolina this week. If you beat Carolina this week, you're at five and four. You get the bye to hopefully figure thing, some things out. And then you go to a very winnable game against Pittsburgh. It's scheduled right now to be a night game, a Sunday night game. I have to imagine that's going to get flexed out, just given the Steelers kind of – and hopefully it does. Um, I have no confidence in this team to win a primetime road game. So, you know, hopefully that gets flexed to a one o'clock game. And you can – win that to get to six and four, and then you get the Titans. Next three games are very winnable, right? But they've shot themselves in the foot by some of the losses that they've had already this year. You know, losing to Trubisky and losing to Cooper Rush. You know, we all know that. But at the end of the day, they're four and four. They beat Carolina, they're five and four. And can go into the bye. I, I think there's a path to get to nine or ten wins but that path only exists by winning Sunday, right? Like that That's the, the only scenario. Um, the Browns game was disheartening to watch, but like you said, Sox, for whatever reason, the Browns, I mean, Burroughs 0-4, they, they've won, what, 9 out of 10 against the Bengals? Like for some reason, the Browns just absolutely ended them. Um, yeah. So – 
you know, whatever. Um, I think there's a run in there, but the only way that that's going to really materialize is completely cut. Two things. One, they're not having the injury luck that they had last year. And and two, as I'm sure Brian's going to mention, I mean, the offensive line just, it, it can't, it, it's not holding up to where it needs to be um, against good pass rushers. You know, they played the Saints and the Falcons and looked great. Um, but the Saints and the Falcons don't necessarily have strong defensive lines. Um, so, you know, I think there's a run in there, but it's going to be dicey. I mean, the division's out. They're, they're, they have no chance to win in the division at this point, I don't think. Um, but I think they can get a wild card at 9 and 8, 10 and 7. You know, they already got wins over the Dolphins and the Jets, which will come in handy down the road. Um, so can they get the nine wins? That, I mean, yeah. yeah. That's where we're at. And I don't think they can unless they win Sunday. So I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. And I think that when you look at the back half of the schedule, uh, you know, the three games that you mentioned, the next three games, then you have the Browns again, which doesn't seem, doesn't evoke a lot of confidence after what just happened. And then uh, at New England, which doesn't really frighten me, but Bills. I mean, at Tampa doesn't really frighten me. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, which that Ravens game, I mean, because, like you pointed out, with the division, the, the Ravens' schedule so soft on the back half that yeah, that game not might game, not mean not anything. Mean yeah, yeah. Brian, take it away. I yeah, I think they definitely have a run in them. I think a couple things. Um, I think if we were talking about this team after any other game than the Browns game, we probably would feel a lot better just because they they haven't had a game like that where they're just completely out of it. They've They've had games where they don't play well, but they're still in it at the end. I mean, their other losses are all at the gun. Like, But I, I say they have a run in them with a caveat, and Matt mentioned it. I think there's a couple things here. One is the offensive line. Like, Burrow, Burrow's not Burrow if he doesn't have time. I mean, at, at a certain point, you take enough hits, you rush enough. Like, that clock in your head speeds up, and – he's not going to be able to just sit back there and pick, pick people apart. I mean, I think you saw that on Monday night. Jacoby Brissett could stand back in the pocket as long as he wanted and pick apart the defense. Joe Burrow has seconds before Miles Garrett is hitting him in the face. Like the offensive line has to play better if, if they're going to, if they're going to win. But if the offensive line plays well, I, I still think this team could literally can literally beat anybody in the NFL. Um, but I think there's two other position groups that really need to step up. One is the Bengals receiving group because I don't know. I, I'm sure it's a combination of offensive line and the receivers, but like T Higgins and Tyler Boyd need to win one-on-ones. Like you, you have to get open. You have to, we can't be throwing these, you know, two yards behind the line of scrimmage swing passes to Joe Mixon and expect to win games. You just can't. Um, and even catch the ball. So, right. Well, yeah. 
So, and maybe he should be not getting as much playing time either and get P. Ryan and, and uh, Chris Evans in there. But the other thing that does worry me a little bit is um, defensively, okay, hopefully you get DJ Reader back. I think we know he's a, he's a huge part of making teams more one-dimensional because he can – not single-handedly, but he helps shut down the run game. Between him and, and if you got Logan Wilson just running free from the linebacker spot, like you're probably not going to have a lot of success running against the Bengals. But last year, Cheeto basically shut down side of the field. And now that he's going to be gone, what do you have in your cornerback room? I mean, I think we all feel good about the safeties, but um, do you feel good running Eli Apple and Cam? Out there, especially as you're going to be facing Mahomes and Josh Allen and, and others down the stretch here, I don't feel great about that. But th- that's why I think the offense really needs to get into gear and carry this team. And if they do that, they're still a Super Bowl contender, in, in, in my opinion. But we haven't seen that through eight games. So are they going to be able to flip the switch and get it going? I don't know. I, I, I think – Without looking at their schedule, yeah, I don't. I know they've got a tough back half, but um, I, I, I guess at this point, I'm just not confident that they're going to get it together. So, I think eight to nine wins is probably where they end up, which is going to be a disappointing year. But I guess the other thing that I want to get your guys' take on is I look at the some of the parts and it doesn't make sense it feels like watching Xavier the last four years where you look and you're like well they have talent everyone says they have talent we've seen that they have talent like these guys make amazing individual plays sometimes but like it's just not gelling why I don't understand and it's been like that I think that's the playoffs last year. Right. The playoffs, the defense carried them in the playoffs last year, and the defense has carried them so far this year, other than the two game stretch, Saints and Falcons. I think, um, I think you, there were a lot of interesting things that you brought up that I, that are whole topics unto themselves. Um, one, the running back situation. Two, the, the offensive line, which speaks to that issue of the, the parts and the sum of the parts. Um, I personally, somebody needs to do it as far as just being negative because Matt used to do that and it used to work. And now Matt's <laughs> turned heel and gone positive and uh, so for as positive as one could be. Um, so you I'll, go to go negative. Negative. I'll go negative. I, I'll, I'll go negative and just say, I don't, I mean, whether they have a run in them of a couple games, I, I think they can do that, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, I just see, you know, you mentioned the Titans game. I see that could that could be a loss just because I don't know if they'll be able to stop the run um, when it comes to. No, I agree. Uh, but when it comes to um, the games that they've lost, the the Ravens, whatever, it was a close game. There were some mistakes. That game could have gone either way. But they lost to the Steelers that first week of the season with five turnovers, could have won the game. But they lost to the Steelers because of T.J. Watt, because he was a dominant force in that game. 
They lost to the Cowboys because of Micah Parsons, because he was a dominant force in that game. And they lost to the Browns because of Miles Garrett, because he was a dominant force in that game. So they play the Browns again, and Miles Garrett, unless he's injured, is going to be in that game. He's And Miles Garrett might be the best defensive lineman. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but, man, he's so good. When you, mm-hmm. I don't watch the Browns very often, but my goodness. Maybe it's just Jonah Williams making him that, that look that good. Uh, go ahead, Matt. I just on the Browns game real quick, and I know this is it, it's hindsight or whatever, but I that game goes so differently in my opinion with how that first drive ends. Totally agree. If the Bengals go down, they're at what the eighteen yard line, and they have a double pick or a double tip interception. You get down and score a touchdown there. The Browns were doing nothing that first half offensively. You get them down, you get them down, and then you have to make Jacoby Brissett beat you, which, mind you, Brian, he did. But they were also playing from the Bengals had to play the run and the pass for that entire game. But if they go down and cap that drive off with the touchdown, I, I think that game ends completely different. Now, it doesn't, whatever, that happens. But I just wanted to say that real quick because no, I, I, I do think I think that game goes so differently if they punch that in on the first drive. I was going to say something very similar to that, and I was going to say that it, that that game in the first half, you're they had each team had two turnovers, so yes. you know Burrow's pick yeah. and then the strip sack, but then the Bengals defense forced a couple mistakes, and they were putting pressure and they were sending guys, and they had. You know, like you said, Matt, the Browns weren't doing anything. But then once it wore on a little bit, it just, yep. you know, it avalanched, it snowballed. Yep. Uh, but, you know, do you think they'll beat the Browns here? Like, Well, okay, let me ask this. I mean, I, my perspective on, on this as well was, yeah, I agree with you, Matt. They go down and they, they score the – that game is completely different, but the game was was close the entire half. And then once they got down, what eighteen to nothing after the first drive in the third quarter, it's like all right, now we're kind of screwed. But I don't understand why. I, I know Joe Mixon isn't going well, but like, why does Zach Taylor just completely abandon the run game at the first chance that he gets? I mean, you look at where Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are lining up; they're lining up three yards outside of the tackles, like. I'm sorry, but you're not setting up Jonah Williams for success if Miles Garrett can line up three yards outside of him and just get a running start at Joe Burrow. Like, you got you have to be able to run the ball inside of that. Yeah. And they, I don't know if they couldn't do it or Zach Taylor just refused to do it. But it it was infuriating. You can't win, in my opinion. You can't win in the NFL if you're running the ball ten times in a fucking game. Come on. And I I think there's something I I totally agree with that. But the one of the, I don't know if you guys follow Charlie Goldschmidt or Goldsmith on the Enquirer covers the Bengals, um, but he had posted some pictures yesterday or whatever this week about the run game and like there was a cutback that Mixon had that it might have been a touchdown. I mean, like it was a wide open lane. He was behind the right tackle by a couple yards. The cutback was to the left, wide open. He bounced it out and it went nowhere. And that's one of the things where I don't know, obviously, what Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan are thinking when it comes to 
the play calling and not call, but like, have they just mm-hmm. completely lost confidence in Joe's ability to make the right cut or make the right play or see the field? And then, because this is a huge part of this whole conversation when it comes to the offensive line and protection, it's clear that they prefer Samaje Pirine in pass protection. So if you feel that way, then I would try to get the guy a, a freaking series. Like, early, maybe it's a first, second drive, it's a first quarter series, third drive, whatever it is, whenever it is, I would just see if it makes a difference in the run game. Because we saw it, I don't remember what game it was, where they showed some life with it. Maybe it was the Jets that P. Ryan, where they started. the Jets, he closed them out. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, there started to be, you know, well, is this, and then it never, nothing came to fruition. The other thing, that's absolutely infuriating to me when it comes to play calling or coaching decisions, whatever you want to call it, is that the biggest gain that the Bengals had in the first half was a 26-yard pass to Chris Evans that was a great play, drawn up well. Chris Evans ran a great route. He did a hesitation in the route to get a tiny bit of separation. The ball was thrown great by Burrow, and that ball was out early. For a running back to make that kind of catch with – pretty tight coverage i feel like you gotta use him like and if you think he's no threat to run the ball then run him every now and then just so the defense has to stay honest but then if you split him out five because the Bengals love to run five wide i don't know like that's a but that's I, I mean i think that's kind of where i'm another area where i just see this comparison to travis Steele and, and even dusty baker we were talking about before we came on here it's like they just roll with their guys, and it's like, yeah, but your guy sucks right now. So let's give these other guys that are on the roster a chance and see what they can do. The other thing I'd like, and I know, you know, it's kind of hard to do when you're going backwards on every play, but like, I would, I feel like Burrow, and he has been, but they are so good when they're moving in rhythm and at tempo. But I just feel like, the Bengals, when they're on offense, it is so freaking slow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they get a 15-yard completion over the middle, and then, all right, bring it in. Everybody yeah. rest up for 40 seconds. All right, here's what we're going to do. All right, well, now you get a 10-yard sack. I agree. Go. Go. What are, you, like, what, what are we doing? You have yeah. these weapons, and you have the defense. If you get a big play or you get – positive yards let's move it up the field let's keep moving let's go also let's go. Let's i, I go. heard somebody exactly say what i was talking like with side note or tangent but like in our group chat like with the ohio state game on saturday it's like you have all the talent in the world and you're just letting the defense dictate to you what you're going to do go out and dictate it to them how you want to yeah. play well, well and you'd and be heard... doing the offensive line a favor Yes. By doing that, by firing off the ball quickly, whether it's a whether it's a run like I think it's like like exactly like you guys said, like if it's working faster and it's mixing in the run, that helps the offensive line. So they're not stepping back every pass play after, like you said, Matt, giving the defense forty seconds to recuperate. And the other thing that I notice, and I'm the furthest thing in the world from a football X's and O's guy, but one of my favorite aspects of Joe Burrow's game is his elusiveness and his escapability from the pocket 
And I know they want to let things develop down the field. But one thing that I noticed in this game against the Browns was the middle of the field was wide open. The Bengals were running guys outside the hashes. They weren't running Hayden Hurst up the middle. And the, the, as we saw with all those leaks by Mixon, the back was going out into the flat. There was no one in the middle of the field. That needs to be a call. Once, if they're going to do that, once every series, let Joe run for a first down. Yeah. Get it going. Like, I just feel like it's missed opportunity because it's a weapon and they're, they're like so strong headed about trying to yeah. get the thing down the field, but then that takes time. And when it takes time, you get that 10 yard sack that you mentioned. But I agree with what Matt was saying on the no huddle. I, I forget if I heard this, if it was, talking to someone talking about a college basketball game or an NBA game or an NFL game, but it's like, all right, you have, if you think you have the better players, what's going to be the most opportunity to win the game, run more plays because there's a chance, there's a better chance that you're going to break something open. The more plays you run. So if the Bengals really think they have all these weapons, which we think they do. I mean, I would be trying to run that offense as fast as I could. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, you're going to have some three and outs, but guess what? You're going to punt the ball, and hopefully you're going to get the ball back, and then you can go again. Like, and I, I it, it just dumbfounds me the lack of urgency that this team plays with, specifically on offense. Well, I think that's a good thing from a football coach's perspective is to understand – when you need to go fast and understand when you need to go slow and not just do it the way that you do it, because that's the way you do it, do it because it can be successful at times being fast. And when there's times when you obviously need to, if it's, you know, the four minute or six minute mark in the first half and you want to have a methodical drive and not, okay, then that's fine. But the rest, no, I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. But there's like a, there's a, there's a theme with this team and it's, you go on the road, you're down two scores at halftime. They've been down two scores in four of the five road games this year. The one game they weren't was the Jets. When they got the ball, they went out, they scored a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Boom. They had the lead at halftime. Like, set the tone early. And I, I just keep going back to it. I, I just feel like they let the other team dictate to them how they're going to play on offense until – it's, oh, shit, we're down, and it, it worked until – well, it didn't work, but they came back and tied or made all the games previously close uh, and beat the Saints. But, like, at some point, you don't have time to wait around anymore. You have to win football games. you got to go out and just take it. Like, I, I just don't understand. And I hope I, – I, I would love to see them come out Sunday, get the ball first, get a first down on the first play and just go, just go, just go, just go. And I think it only helps when you don't have a guy like Jamar Chase. Go quick because yeah, it just helps well, you. I, I think it does two things. One, the defense can't get that exotic. But two, you don't have your, your coaches meddling. You just let Joe Burrow kind of – he's got a couple plays, 10 to 15 plays, and you just work them. Like keep what, – what's the thing that you always hear? Keep it simple, stupid. Like the the simpler yeah. that you can make things, probably the more effective you're going to be. Instead, 
if you're trying to, you know, run all these different concepts and make sure you get the perfect play, it's like, no, just get up there and beat the shit out of the guy in front of you. If you can do that, you're going to win a lot of football games. Yeah, I I totally agree. I feel like we fixed it. Hopefully, we they listen. It. Yeah. Does and I anyone think anyone have Zach Taylor's email address that we can send this podcast to him? There's zero chance he doesn't listen to this. Oh, well, true. <laughs> I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, we didn't podcast <laughs> last year. Uh, uh, but I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, we, we just, we nailed it, nailed it. Um, it's frustrating. And, um, what, like when we talk about the talent level and things like that, and I feel like with Jamar Chase out, when you talk about keeping it simple, there has to be, it can't be the, well, we're just going to do what we do. Well, like make some adjustments. Like, and, right. and I feel like Hayden Hurst, I don't know. I don't watch enough tape, but I feel like he, he catches the ball. I mean, like when they throw it to him, how often is it incomplete? Whereas it's, when they throw it yeah. to Higgins or Boyd, who are great players, defenses are keying on those guys. Yeah. I agree, but I also think there's 31 other teams in the NFL that probably most of them don't have two receivers that are as good as T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and somehow their coaches still get those guys open and get them the ball. It's not like everybody else is throwing for Higgins last year made a living, and maybe it's Maybe I haven't paid close enough attention to it, but he made a living on the 12-yard slant across the middle. Like yeah. He just he, he makes those balls. He makes those catches. I don't feel like they've done it a lot this year. They, they tend to use him more as a vertical throw on the outside, which he's done really well at, but Burrow just doesn't have time to get into that progression. Right. So, just, I don't know. The, <laughs> yeah, a lot of problems, and it's the Carolina not, games. They, they I, got, I mean, yeah, they have to win the Carolina game. There, there are a lot of problems, but I, I just, I do really think if the offensive line could hold up, it solves a lot of issues. And that's a, like it is, and then you think about it, there a what a bad snap on a PAT and a. Terrible goal line series Stupid away play from being be right. six, six and two. two, and they really could be eight and one, like or what? Not eight and one, seven, seven and one. Yeah, but they're not. No, right. Uh, yeah, I mean the Cowboys game doesn't bother me. The Browns game doesn't bother me. I mean it bothers me, but it's like they got smoked. The ones that you're going to look back are clearly going to be the Steelers game, but then also. The Ravens game, it's like they should have won that game. Yeah. Yep. And that's well, why it just, uh, you know, I, it, I, when I look at this, I'm just like, man, I just feel like I'm watching Travis Steele Xavier again because how many times do we say coulda, shoulda, woulda in, in those games coming down the stretch? It's like, what? oh, but their their best Ravens player made a dumb play. <laughs> Zach Taylor, I, I mean, not, I, say what I get it, but I, I get it. I'm not 
Zach Taylor is not going anywhere, but like it, it's just frustrating because Lou Anarumo is Lou Anarumo is the best coach on this team. The defense is clearly doing their part. The offense, like you said, you said it yourself. It's been clunky. It's been uh-uh. clunky since the Kansas City game last year. And if the offense was as explosive as we expected and wanted it to be, the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl last year. No, that, I agree. I would say that Zach, and I, I think I've said this before, Zach Taylor is a phenomenal head coach. He is not a good offensive coordinator. I think he is an outstanding head coach. Yeah, I I don't think – I can't disagree with you on on that statement. No, I think that's a very fair statement because I think he yeah. does a good job managing the clock. I think he does a good job managing his challenges. I think he goes – he's aggressive sometimes. Um, and, yeah, no, I mean, I and I think the culture thing is – The culture thing – the culture thing – I mean, say what you want about it, but I mean, in two years he took a team that was – now, granted, yeah, he obviously had a massive assist by drafting two players that they did. I'm not going to discount right. that, but he still got his guys in here that he wanted, and he took that team to a Super Bowl. Right, you can't he deserves take that a away ton from of credit. Him. He deserves you can't take that away from. Him. Offensive play calling wise, I certainly would agree that he has his shortcomings there, but I don't think you can discount him as a head coach. Now, unfortunately. No. You have to lump okay. in the offensive side of things because that is part of his responsibilities too. You you can't, and I agree that he's done a great job with the culture. He's done a great job. I mean, he took him to the Super Bowl. He's done an incredible job. But I, and this is un, likely unfair to to Zach Taylor, but part of me still also questions. All right, how much of how much of this success is Zach Taylor, you know, doing everything right? And how much it is just the fact that the Bengals have freaking Joe Burrow. That's fine. I mean, Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. Until he doesn't have Tom Brady. Right. No, and that's my point. Right? Is like you, you can't. I don't. I don't think it's. They're not mutually exclusive. Like you just. Yeah, I just. Um... I, I get I don't what you're they, they, I, I, I would love just to see. I would love to see just, Callahan have a chance to call the plays, or somebody else have yeah, a chance. It's just but. frustrating to watch the clunkiness of the offense when they have a lot of very talented players that that, that should be better. And and yeah. it's not a one game thing. This is now eight games this year, and probably what the four games in the playoffs and the last, I guess just the four games in the playoffs because the Chiefs was week 17, wasn't it? And then they sat everybody week 18. No, I would agree. But, I mean, that's 12 games. That's almost a full NFL season. Like, Yeah. And, and Sox, your point earlier on Hayden Hurst and them not utilizing the middle, yes, how much of it is the offensive line? I don't know, but like you, you got to be able to scheme around that. Well, and, and to the point about the offensive line, if, if the, if the worry is that you can, you can't give him three seconds, then Matt's point about T Higgins slants. 
And what I'm saying about the middle of the field, whether it's Hayden Hurst or it's Joe Burrow stepping back two drops and then taking off straight up the field, or if it's Chris Evans doing something sneaky out of the backfield or out of the slot, you're using the middle of the field so that the safeties have to eventually consider the middle of the field so they can't cover T Higgins and on the outside. And then you, you know, it just, it seems like they are stubborn in the, uh, we're a vertical offense. We're going deep. We're going right. to take three step drops and we're going to wait for things to develop. And right now they don't have that time. And I, I would give them credit that they, they did a decent job during the playoff run of making those kind of adjustments, even though they still took a lot of sacks. But what the biggest difference to me this year versus last year's offensive line, when you want to talk about really looking at the offensive line and saying, what's the difference? Because the sacks are still there is this year. I see sacks coming off the edges. I see it versus Jonah Williams and I see it versus Lyle Collins. I don't see them coming up the middle as much as they were last year. Yeah, which yeah, Harris and Kappa have been really good. Yeah, yeah. Which speaks to that middle of the field part where Joe can escape the pocket up the middle and has maybe a little bit more time if Williams and Collins can at least force those dominant kind of edge rushers to the outside that Joe can step up and either throw a dart or improvise and get out of the pocket. But or how about? An inside shovel pass. <laughs> Too soon. Call that Too from soon. the yard line. It might, <laughs> you might get two yards. Samaj Piran. Yeah. Mm. No, I agree. And for a bunch of, uh, you know, not, I mean, Chase, you're a football mind because you were a backup quarterback. But for Matt and I, not being high school football players, I feel like we have been able to figure this out pretty – it's not like a freaking Rubik's Cube over here. Like, we we see it. The, the thing that's, like, worrisome is the offense is going to have to start scoring points for them to mm-hmm. win games because the defense yeah. is just – with all the injuries, I mean, right. like Brian mentioned before, I mean, Cheetah going down, they're going to have to be putting up 24 to 27 points to win these games. and. I don't know. Can they do that against the Chiefs? Can they do that against Tennessee on the road? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll see. I don't. I'm not very confident. Well, any uh, any other things that anybody wants to get off their chest? I feel like the Bengals. That's a big thing. Um, but this is a place where you can air your grievances. Uh, okay. Only, only other question is you guys are much more in tune with this than I am, but how, how do we arrive at Tennessee being the number one team in the first college football playoff rankings? They have the best win ever anybody in the country. Yeah. And they're in the SEC. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's all it is. And they're going to have another huge opportunity this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. It's it'll be interesting there. It's just funny to see a one next to their name and then see uh, what are they 
eight and a half point dogs. Is it yeah. that much? Yeah, it was earlier this week. I, Where is it? Let's see. Is that Georgia? Oh, that's big. Let's see. It'll be interesting. They're they're explosive. I've watched a ton. I thought that I thought that after the Alabama game, I know they played like a the subdivision, whatever it's called now. But uh, after that, and I thought there could have been a letdown against Kentucky because Kentucky was had some preseason hype, and Will Levis is considered a quarterback prospect. But uh, they throttled them too, so maybe they're good. Yeah, I don't know. Georgia's an eight-point favorite. Georgia just, to me, watching them go through last year, and I haven't watched them, I mean, probably. I think I watched a little bit of that Oregon game in the beginning, which they scored a lot of points that game. But they they don't seem as explosive as Tennessee. I um, mean, we you say that except for I'm looking at their their schedule right now. Okay, they – they kind of didn't really pay attention at Missouri, and they only won that game 26-22. And they didn't pay attention to Kent State, and then they won that game by 17. But other than that, they're winning their games by 30-plus points every single week. I mean, they beat Oregon 49-3. to Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'm interested to see if it's a good game or not, but – I I would be shocked if Tennessee was within a couple touchdowns. To be honest, I think they'll be. I think they'll keep it close. Their offense is really good. It'll be a fun, fun game to watch uh, for sure. Brian, any thoughts on your Bearcat football? No, uh, no. I mean, it was yeah. disappointing they lost to UCF. I think if they won that game and they went out, they're still in contention for a New Year's Bowl. Um, they're not now, obviously. But you know what? Everything is just geared towards, hey, let's get to the Big 12 and see what happens. So uh, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see Evan Prater play some of the quarterback the back half of the year, but I don't know if that will happen. I'd agree with that. Um Ben Bryant's not been the second coming like many thought. Yeah, I just think when I've when I've watched him, I just feel like he he's not that mobile. And the games like Saturday, I feel like they they could have won the game if he maybe could get outside of the pocket and make something happen, and he just couldn't do it. I'm not saying Prater could have, but. You know, he was an exciting prospect. He's when he when he played last year, he was exciting to watch. So I was hoping to see more of him than we have this year. But well, Matt and I, as far as college football goes, uh, could be looking at another undefeated showdown. Well, wasn't undefeated last year because Michigan lost to Michigan State, but uh, certainly will be interesting. If yep. uh, they both get there. Yep. Well, if that's it, then we can call it. Short and sweet. Short. No, it wasn't that short. It's worth an hour over. Hour, over an hour. Uh, just time flies when you're having fun. Okay. Uh, I'm sure that the listeners will not think that it's short and sweet. 
How many more hours do we have to record though so that Phil has something to listen to on his drive to Detroit? <laughs> Not we don't have that much in us. That's because my computer's about to die. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well that'll be it. And the podcast. Till yep. next time. We was we got disrespected a little bit before the game. Guys calling us out. We're a tougher team. We're grown men over here. We got a whole bunch of gangsters in the locker room. Not thugs, but tough guys on the court. And we went out there and zipped them up at the end of the game. That's our motto. Zip them up. And that's what we just did to them. But what do you think? And it's right after you were in a, had an at-bat. You didn't have really time to relax between innings. Did it have anything to do with it? No, man. I mean, I just fucking walked the guys. It was pretty tough. So that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, and get them out of here. You don't live in Cleveland. You don't